year, Rebecca and I were married, and we bought presents for our family, like, you know, extended family, everything. I was like, how am I going to have enough money to live, like, the rest of the year? I couldn't believe how much it costs once you get married to buy presents for everybody. And you may feel that way. Oh, my gosh, who needs Christmas? The, the presents, the expenses, the decorations, the stress. Now, I, that's not how I feel. I'm one of the, I, I love Christmas. I'm one of those, like, Christmas all the time, all year long. That's me. That's how I am about Christmas. But the reason that we go present shopping and we buy stuff for people, you know, it's because that's a way to show someone that you love them, right? That's why we do it, even though it's stressful and it's a lot. And these days you may buy a little bit more for yourself than for someone else. But, you know, it's, it's a way to show someone that you love them when you give presents, I was talking to somebody this week, like, oh, I'm spending my hard-earned money on this for somebody. And, and yeah, that's the whole idea is I spent my money that I worked hard for and I spent time and energy and I thought of you. And so I want to give this to you. And, and that's why we buy presents at Christmas time. So this series, uh, it's called Who Needs Christmas? And so last week talked about, Pastor Jeff talked about how the world needed Christmas. The world needs a Savior. And today we're talking about how God needed Christmas. And of course, that's a play on words because God doesn't need anything. Of course, that's part of the definition of what it means to be God, right? He's perfect and complete in himself. But we're saying God needed Christmas. Why? Well, think about this. Giving a present is how you show someone that you love them. Well, what if you're God? How do you show that you love someone if you're God? God is spirit. God is the creator of everything. He's invisible. He's so far beyond us. How do you show your creatures that you love them? We are material creatures, finite. We're material-minded people. We like material things. If you're God, how do you show that you love someone? And that's what we're talking about today. The Christmas story truly is an amazing story for most of us. It's probably familiar. We're used to it every year, but we never want it to get old or stale because it's just so incredible. It's all about the love of God on display. And if we knew just how much God loves us, it would be so much easier to trust him. A lot of times we we're afraid to trust God because we don't know. Is, I don't want to give this up, Lord, or I'm afraid of where you're going to take me. But if we just knew how great God's love was, it'd be so much easier, right? Parents in the room, that's how you probably feel about your kids, right? Man, like your kids get talking back, giving you a hard time. I don't want to do this. But you're like, no, if you just know, I love you so much. This is what's best for you. If you, if you knew the love I had for you. That's, a few people have been saying that to me. Now, since I've had, uh, we've had Noah, I'm like, I, I did not know inside I could love something this much, right? And man, that's how much more does God feel about you and me? And so today, our, we'll be in a couple passages, but you could kind of say our main passage, most of them, they're written by the Apostle Paul, the passages that we're going to look at today. Why did God need Christmas? And it's really powerful to consider that the Apostle Paul wrote this, Paul was somebody, he was a Jewish Pharisee, he was a Christian hater. He was a hater of Christians. He had power from the Jerusalem council to arrest and murder Christians, to put them in prison. But he has this experience of Jesus. He now instead becomes a Christian. His life is totally changed. And he plants churches and he writes letters. And so 
Paul, he's an amazing man. He's an amazingly brilliant person. We're going to look partially today in the book of Romans. You want to see how smart this guy is? Read the book of Romans. It's one of the most incredible things ever written. It was inspired by the Holy Spirit, written by Paul. And uh, so he begins to see the Jewish scriptures differently. He begins to see Jesus differently and God's plan. Why did God need Christmas? We're going to unpack it in the words of Paul today. So if you've got a Bible, open it up to Romans chapter 5. This is going to be our main section We're also going to go to Galatians 4, so I guess you can get that ready too. But Romans chapter 5, that's where we're going to be. I'm going to read it from my Bible here. Romans chapter 5, verse 6, we're going to start in. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, perhaps... For the good man, someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why did God need Christmas? We're going to talk about four main reasons among probably others. But why did God need Christmas? The first one is this, to demonstrate his love. God needed Christmas to demonstrate his love. God demonstrates his love while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Look, you know, words are cheap. Actions speak louder than words. Real love requires sacrifice. A lot of times when we talk about love, we think love is about how it makes me feel. I mean, totally, that's definitely part of it. And like I said, I love Christmas. I love Christmas movies. I've already watched Elf. Okay, it's up there, probably top five, like, family movies for me and my family. I know all the lines. And he goes, Buddy the Elf goes to tell Jovi that he loves her. And he says, he goes, well, uh, you know, every time I see you, I, I feel really warm inside. And, uh, and, and my tongue begins to swell up. <laughs> and so how does he know he loves her? Because, oh, the way you make me feel. And that's part of love. But love is more than just how you make me feel. Love requires sacrifice. In fact, you'll never know how much somebody really loves you until you see how much they're willing to sacrifice for you. You'll never know how much somebody loves you, really loves you, until you see how much they're willing to sacrifice for you. You know, that may even be a good measurement tool in your relationship. Perhaps you're dating somebody or wondering, is this person marriage material? Think about that. What kinds of sacrifices have you made for them and have they made for you? Is it a two-way street or is it a little bit more of a one-way street? And so with God, man, how does God demonstrate his love for us? God demonstrates his love through the death of Jesus. This is what the scriptures talk about. This is what the prophets hinted at, the the scriptures foreshadowed. Jesus' death was a demonstration of how much God loved us. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. you got to think how overwhelming these words must be for the Apostle Paul, the Christian hater. The Christian murderer. You know that after he became a Christian, he would go around and plant churches. He would go to Jewish synagogues and talk about, hey, Jesus is the Jewish Messiah, and he's available for everybody. And he he was given a hard time. People didn't want to believe him. People tried to challenge him because you're the guy who used to kill people. So now, while we were still sinners, God knew the decisions that Paul would make. you got to think how this would feel for Paul. While I wanted to kill Christians, while I wanted to murder people, While this evil was in my heart, 
God knew that I was like that. And while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. No matter who you are today, at Christmas time, we're reminded of this incredible truth that God demonstrated his love for us. You may be here today and you came because, you know, it's Christmas time and that's why you're in church or you came out of family obligation and you think, man, God would love me, that, that would be cool, but I'm far from God. I know the decisions I've made, the path that I'm on. If I look back, it'd be nice if I made different decisions, but here's where I am and I'm, I'm far from God. But at Christmas time, we remember no matter who you are, God has demonstrated his great love for you and he's not too far from you. He's not too far from you. So why did God need Christmas? One, to demonstrate his love. Here's the second reason, to document his love. God needed Christmas to document his love. Look earlier in Romans 5, 6. He says, you see, at just the right time, at just the right time when we were still helpless, Christ died for the ungodly. At just the right time in a spiritual sense, at just the right time also in history. I mean, think about this. The way that we measure time, it's literally divided by the birth of Christ. (laughs) We measure where we are with with how far or how close we are to the birth of Christ. That B.C. means before Christ. A.D. stands for what in Latin what would be in the year of our Lord. Even if you use the new delineators, you know, I, I don't get offended by this because it's still completely based on the birth of Christ. BCE, before common era, or CE, common era, people will use that today. But it's still completely dependent on the birth of Christ. It's split time in half. It's incredible. You know, the birth of Jesus has caused the commercialism of Christmas. Yesterday, I watched a commercial, the Sprite Holiday Special. I mean, it's just like ridiculous, but it all comes from the birth of Christ. It was at exactly the right time, exactly how God wanted it to be. When we think about 2,000 years ago, what it was like during the height of the Roman Empire in this little sliver of land, today it would be modern-day Israel. Back then, the Romans called it Palestine. This people group, this Semitic people group called the Jews lived there for generations. They're waiting for God to do something There's the temple, but that system had become corrupt. Rome took a slice. The Jewish leaders took a slice. God waited for the perfect time. There was violence. There was rioting in Jerusalem and Palestine. There was rebellions. And God said, now's the right time. And he took his step. And if you have that other passage, you can look. Galatians chapter 4. This is how else Paul also says this. Galatians 4. He says, but when the right time came... When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. When the set time had fully come, when we got far enough in history that the story of Jesus would not be forgotten, God sent his son. It wouldn't slip through the cracks of history. Think about this. It happened 2,000 years ago. Think about all that has happened in the last 2,000 years. There's no way you and I know everything that's happened in 2,000 years. Most of us don't know what happened last week, right? 2,000 years? How many things of history did, did you forget from history class? How many things in history weren't even documented? 
You can watch a series on Disney+. Plus. It's called Lost Cities with Albert Lynn. It's really interesting. They talk about what was happening in the Pacific Ocean 2,000 years ago at the time of Christ. I had no idea what was going on in the Pacific Ocean, right? But somehow we know, we all know the story of Jesus. It was documented and recorded and sent all over the world. It happened during the height of the Roman Empire. And this is something that I find interesting. This is a map of the Roman road system. And I actually wrote a paper on this in high school. My teacher was like, you can, write a, you can write on any subject in history. And I ended up writing this, and he looked at me like, Matt, really? <laughs> the Roman road system? You, you can pick anything in history. You've said this. I, I was interested in it. And uh, yeah, the Roman road system, this is one of the engineering feats of the Romans. Most ancient roads were just a simple dirt path, but they started to actually pave and interconnect their roads. They had 250,000 miles of road system, and that's where we get the expression of all roads lead to Rome, because in the Roman Empire, it was literally true. All roads could eventually get you to Rome. And so the road system enabled, of course, faster travel, and notably, it also made the postal system more effective. And so it was at just the right time that Christ stepped into history The message was documented, recorded, and sent out for all to know. And now, 2,000 years later, here we are still talking about the story. So to document his love, when the right time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. And if you've been a Christian for a long time, and you know the story, so you're kind of like, yeah, duh, yeah, makes sense. But, you know, I, I understand if you're not a Christian or it's been a while, you think a little bit about it, you may wonder to yourself, why would God do that? Born of a woman. Why did he come as, as a human? Why does he come as, as a baby? That's kind of weird, right? I mean, if he wants to show us his love, why not just send a messenger? Why not just write it down somehow? Why not, you know, I don't know, do a miracle? Why, why would you, like, cram yourself into, like, the body of a baby? That's kind of strange. Under the law. He doesn't come as a big deal. He comes as a baby born in a manger. But Paul realizes why. He says... Born of a woman, born under the law, to, or so that, in order that, to do something that a messenger couldn't do for you. To do something that another prophet couldn't do. To do something that maybe even sacred scripture couldn't even do. Actions speak louder than words. God came in the incarnation. God became flesh in the person of Jesus to do something That only he could do. God was ready to do something personal, so he did something relational. He didn't send a messenger. That wouldn't have got it done. He sent himself to document his love. You know, this is something I think about when we read this passage. God sent, uh, God needs Christmas to demonstrate his love, to document his love. I think it's pretty common, it's pretty natural to feel this way. You know, you may feel, why doesn't God do more? No, I'd love to believe in God, but I don't see anything like that happening around. Where, where, where's the proof that God has done anything? And I think it's natural to ask that question, but I think there's a few answers. One, he already did, and it's documented. God stepped into human history as Jesus. He died on the cross and made forgiveness of sins available for all people. If that was the only thing that God ever did to interact in history, it'd be incredibly good news. It's written down. It's documented. 
But not only that, God does more than just what he did 2,000 years ago. This room is full of stories of people uh, that could share about how God has moved in their life. And so God has moved. God does do things all the time. In fact, not only that, the Bible has documented all these times in history that God has moved and God has done something. So then the, nat- the next thing is a lot of times I see people say, well, well, why would God do it that way? Well, why would he do that? Well, that was kind of cruel. Didn't he command somebody should die? I mean, that was, I don't like that. So, I mean, do you want God to move or do you not want him to move? I mean, when, when he does things in the Old Testament, how long does God have to sit around and watch a people group slaughter their own children and worship to demonic powers? Sometimes God is waiting for them to change their ways and they don't. And so at some point, God steps in and interacts. So we're saying, man, wh- where does God move? What's the proof? You know what? At Christmas time, at Christmas time and at the cross, we see the love of God on display. Why did God need Christmas? To demonstrate his love and to document his love. Why else did God need Christmas? To redeem us with his love. When the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the adoption to sonship, to redeem those under the law. It was going to be personal, so God came in person. He did something in person. Actions speak louder than words, right? And other translations will say, to buy free, to redeem or to buy freedom. That's what redeem, to buy back, to restore us, to buy us back, to purchase our freedom from sin and from death. It says uh, for, for adoption or to adopt us as sons and daughters, that word adoption, it's the Greek word huothesia. It's a compound word. The word huo and thesia comes together, makes huothesia. Huo means son or son and daughter, child. And thesia means to establish or to make. And so the Holy Spirit is making, he's establishing us into the family of God. He's establishing us. He's adopting us into his family. It's a process. It's something that keeps happening. Recently, I was with some friends, and they're actually in the process right now of adopting a nine-year-old boy. Uh, They have two children of their own, and this boy has gone from foster home to foster home. They originally were just, they wanted to foster a child, and I believe it's something around the, the, the number of like 10 different foster homes in the last two years he's been in. And so for him, he just has not found a place to fit in. He's been a problem. He's been a troublemaker. Hasn't been working. I don't know what the other end may be, too, with the other foster parents, possibly. It's just, he just has not found a place to fit in, to have a family, to be loved. Until now he's with my friends who are Christians. He's found love and acceptance and belonging with this Christian home. He goes to church Every Sunday he's there. The whole church loves him. He loves the people in church there. He's found a family. And he's not perfect. Oh, like, oh, he doesn't get in trouble anymore? No, no, no way. He's, he's still a work in progress. But that's what it's like to be adopted into the family of God. Why did God need Christmas? To redeem us with his love. To buy us back. To restore us to adopt us. 
Go back to that Romans verse in Romans 6, right? While we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time. Christ died for us. Christ died for us. You know, we've been hitting some, I think, what might be natural questions, especially if you're not sure about faith, you're not sure about Christianity. Why doesn't God move more? We kind of said that earlier. Why would God do this? Why would God do that? Here's another one that I think is a natural question. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Why did Christ have to die? Okay, God needed Christmas. Demonstrate his love. Got it. Document his love. Okay. To redeem us with his love by dying. Dying on a cross, on a Roman cross. That's violent. It's bloody. It's gory. It's public. It's a mess. It's gross. It's weird. Why would God have to die on a cross? Why didn't Jesus just come down and just decide everyone was forgiven? Why didn't he just say that? Hey, you know what, guys? I'm from heaven, and I checked with dad, and he said, everything's cool. You're forgiven. You go to heaven. You go to heaven. We're all good. Why would he die on a cross? I think there's two clear answers among many. But if you've ever wondered this to yourself, here's one answer. One, who would have believed him if Jesus came and said, hey, everybody, you're forgiven, and then now I'm going back to heaven. I just wanted you to know that real quick. (laughs) Nobody would believe him. Actions speak louder than words, right? There's a lot of people that could say a lot of stuff. In fact, Jesus did declare people their sins were forgiven. I just watched it yesterday, and uh, I know some people love The Chosen. I watched that episode yesterday with with the paralytic. What does Jesus do first? He heals. He forgives him of his sins, and then he heals the guy. And what does everybody do? You can't forgive him. You can't do that. You can't just decide somebody's forgiven. You can do it if he sinned against you, but you can't just declare someone, like, what do you think you are? What do you think you're doing? So even when Jesus did say, hey, don't worry, your sins are forgiven, everyone had a problem with it. Nobody would have believed him, and his words would have never survived the first century. We're talking about God needed Christmas to document his love. If Jesus just said, hey, I feel like everyone's forgiven, that would have been it. But here's probably the bigger reason. It's because God is the author of life. God is the author of life. I want you to think about this. Really think about this. God is the author of your life. Just think about that. You didn't choose when you were born. Most of us are not going to choose when we leave this planet. But in between, we kind of think that we're the ones in charge of our life. That we can make whatever decisions we want. The Bible says in Acts 17, 26, that God determined the exact time and places where you would live. You didn't choose your birth. You didn't choose anything about entering this world. And what we've done, we've dishonored the source of life. There's a quote from Andy Stanley. I think he explains it well. He says, when you dishonor the source of life, you dishonor God. It's an expression of ingratitude deserving the forfeiture of life. What he's saying is that we owe God our lives. And when we dishonor God... When we dishonor others, we deserve to forfeit our lives. I mean, just, it, it, this just helps you to think about this. God is the author of life. He breathed his breath into you to give you life. 
The Bible says that God cannot lie. It's not because God is like, oh, I'm afraid to lie. What's going to happen? It's because God, God is, it's like God is not darkness. He just, God, darkness is the opposite of God, right? So lying, that's just, just, it's just not part of what God is. Lying is a corruption of what God is if you lie, right? So God, he breathes his life into you and to me. And then we use the breath of God to lie, to hurt someone else, to cheat, to get what we want. All the way back in childhood, it's all the way inside of us that we use the breath of God to do that, to hurt other people. And so when we've used the breath of God to dishonor God and to dishonor someone else who has the breath of God, we deserve the forfeiture of life. The Bible says we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's standard. We owe a debt we cannot pay. The Bible talks about this, God being the author of life. It says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And what does Romans 5, 8 say? What we've been reading today, that God demonstrates his love for us, that while we were sinners, while we used the breath of God to curse his name, to dishonor him, to dishonor our brother or sister, Christ died for us. God's love was so great that even while we sinned, He wanted to restore us. He wanted to bring us back into his family as a child of God. And now we can be a new creation. This isn't just about guilt or feeling bad. God has restored us. He wants to redeem us with his love. And we need to be reminded of this at Christmas time constantly. You know, that's why we have Christmas. I love Pastor Jeff said that last week. This is why we have Christmas every year. That's why we take communion every month. There's certain truths about God and what he's done for us that we constantly have to remind ourselves of. And so God needed Christmas to demonstrate his love, to document his love, to redeem us with his love. And lastly, God needed Christmas to fill us with his love. We're constantly filling ourselves with other things, and we were just singing that song in worship, I'll make room for you. So for many of us in the room, most of us probably, we already know the story. Many of you, you may remember, hey, God has redeemed me. He saved me from my sins. So that's great. We still need to be reminded of this incredible truth of Christmas, and we still need to be filled with God's love. We can fill ourselves with so many other things. Right, like distractions, our phone, careers, hobbies, leisure time, vacation, money, relationships, drama, stress, anxiety, anger, frustration, our goals, pressure, performance. There's lots of things that we can fill ourselves with. And other religions, other Attempts at spirituality, like New Age spirituality or Eastern philosophy. Even now, I was talking with uh, someone this week, workplace philosophy. You're going to find this a lot about meditating or emptying your mind. And that's not bad. Okay, empty the negative thoughts. That's what we're saying. Hey, I will make room. How do I have to make room for God? That's true. But we don't just empty ourselves. We, as Christians, are to be filled with the love of God. We don't just know the truth about Christmas. I don't just know that God loves me, but now I'm filled with God's love. 
in Romans chapter 5, if you go a verse above where we were, we were in uh, verse 6, look in verse 5. He says, this hope that we have in Jesus, it will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. You know, a lot of times when we talk about why Jesus came or Jesus dying on the cross, we use legal language, and that is actually very helpful to understand our relationship to God and why Jesus had to die. We, we owed a debt we could not pay, right? Jesus took our punishment on the cross. It's a theological term would be the penal substitutionary atonement of Christ. Yes, that's legal language, and that's great to illustrate why Jesus had to do what he had to do. But our relationship with God is more than just a legal standing. I have some friends that got married um, for green card reasons. You know, she, she had a green card, it was expiring, so they got married. But it's more than just a contract they signed. They love each other. They really do. And, and so that's how the timing worked out for them. So even if you became a Christian for legal reasons, God, save me. Okay, that's great. That's a good reason. But, but now at Christmas time, we remember that now we actually are adopted into God's family. We have a friendship with God. We have a relationship with God where he fills us with his love. How incredible is that? We're not filled with guilt. We're not filled with rules or pressure or stress. We're filled with the love of God, the love of God that is selfless, that is life-giving, This has become uh, one of my favorite verses the last year or so. Ephesians chapter 3, again written by the Apostle Paul. says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Pastor Barney, would you come and give us some music as we begin to close today? At Christmas time, we remember why God needed Christmas to demonstrate and document his love for us. When the right time had come, when people had given up hope, when the Roman Empire was primed, when the temple system was corrupt, God decided to step into human history. A Jewish carpenter finds his fiance is pregnant. He says, what should I do? Should I shame her? Should I divorce her? Should I tell her mother? What should I do? And an angel appears to him and says, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Would you stand to your feet as we begin to close out this morning? 
If you've been watching online, we want to say thank you so much for being part of service today. We're going to allow the Lord to minister to us some more in person here, but thanks for being part of the service. If you're here today, I want to pray over you, but before we do, let's allow the Lord to minister to us. We're talking about being filled with God's love. Why did God need Christmas to demonstrate his love? Actions speak louder than words to document his love so we would know the story 2,000 years later. We know the story to redeem us with his love and adopt us into his family and to fill us with his love. And so if you want to be filled with God's love, perhaps you need to make room for God like we sang earlier today. I want to pray over you, but I want to allow the Lord a few minutes, you and the Lord to take that time. You have a friendship with God now. You have a friendship with God because of Christmas time. And so let's not miss the next couple minutes as the Lord may want to speak to us. I've just sensed that the last few weeks there, we've been sensitive to God speaking to us. And so as Pastor Bonnie plays, if you know that's you, you want to be filled with God's love. Perhaps you need to make room. Yeah, it's not a guilt thing. You just look at your life and say, it's Christmas, I'm stressed. God, I need to make some room for you. I want to be filled with your love. You can step out of your seat and come right up to the front and have that conversation with God. Those steps just represent spiritual steps that you're saying, God, I want to be filled with you. And so if that's you, I want to be filled with your love, God. I want to make room. Maybe it's just one thing. Maybe it's several things. God, maybe there's something I've been hanging on to. I want to be filled with you. Would you step out of your seat as Pastor Bonnie plays?